Today on the Topic Show, the UFC boycott begins thanks to the Bud Light partnership. Coca-Cola drops support for v BLM after BLM tweets support for Hamas. Vivek on government employees stock trading and lobbying goes viral. UAW reaches a tentative agreement with Ford Motor Company. GM beats expectations for Q3 but cuts their profit outlook due to the ongoing strike with the UAW. GM to keep the Chevy Bolt alive. Mercedes-Benz stock drops 6% in part due to the cost of the EV production. And Peacock screaming post a $550 million loss, but did gain subscribers. All that much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and service company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October. And while there's very little time to do that, so the odds are against us, a wise pilot once told me, never tell me the odds. So if you can click that subscribe button, I would greatly appreciate it. Now going over to the business part of the podcast, you have General Motors beating Q3 expectations, but pulling their full year guidance due to the ongoing ever painful UAW strike, which again, at the beginning of the strike, they were asking in terms of the new contract, UAW wanted a mere, just a little bit of money, just a mere 80 to $100 billion, which would subsequently bankrupt General Motors. People keep forgetting they have a little over $80 billion in long-term debt, and that debt is precipitously increasing year over year. Somewhat reminiscent of the United States, which is why perhaps some people pejoratively call them government motors. They've also been bailed out by the U.S. government, at least in 2009, and then subsequently they've gone bankrupt twice before earlier, ever since Billy Durant founded the company. They've had some financial hurdles, to say the least. Now, it looks like this is earlier this week, going on Tuesday, and it looks like specifically the worry is, of course, the ongoing strike, which they claim is costing them about $200 million a week in lost vehicle production. Now, that keep that in mind, this is a very fluid situation. These statistics, I believe, are pre-Cadillac, strike so cadillac is their crown ship brand although i would say it's losing favor since they don't make as many stick ships as they used to the ctsv of the stick ship is a brilliant piece of engineering i think it's awesome however the big profit from these companies is the luxury models and this plant in arlington texas that makes the chevy tahoe which is the same thing with a different body kit albeit a little less technology and luxury that plant's on strike or rather the uaw has taken many workers off the line so that plant which makes them some of the most profit is now sluggishly going to a halt. Now, it'll be interesting to see what the new numbers are. Now, the labor strikes, many estimates are saying that they're costing them $800 million in pre-tax earning due to the vehicle loss production, and that's including $300 million during the third quarter. CFO Paul Jacobson told reporters during a briefing. Now, it looks like, this is thanks to CNBC, due to the ongoing volatility caused by strikes, GM said Tuesday that it is pulling its previously announced earnings guidance for the year that called for $12 billion to $14 billion in adjusted earnings and net income attributed to stockholders of between $9.3 billion and $10.7 billion. Before the UAW strike, CFO Jacobson said that the company was on track to achieve, quote, toward the upper half, unquote, of its earnings forecast. However, the company's third quarter performance compared with the average estimates by LSEG, formerly known as Reintiviv, try pronouncing that 10 times in a row. Now, the adjusted earnings per share, 228 versus 128 estimated, 
Revenue, 44.13 billion versus 43.68 billion. So interestingly enough, it looks like, I mean, a lot of people are impressed, even despite all this in the economy, they're still beating expectations. With me, I almost had to reread the headline, headline two or three times. Now granted, ADHD comment, I'm not a doctor, um, but the cure for my stuttering may be clicking the subscribe button. Again, this is a little short experiment we've been doing the past couple of weeks. I think it's been getting better. Truth be told, if you think I'm bad speaking now, watch the first couple of videos or know me earlier in life. But nevertheless, I think it could perhaps help as I try to slow down and enunciate as well, thanks to the feedback in the comments. I am trying to actually work on those things. Now, they also continue to say for the third quarter, GM reported a net income attributed to the stockholders of $3.06 billion or $2.20 per share, which is down 7.3% from a year earlier when the company earned $3.31 billion or $2.25 per share. They continue to say revenue during the period increased 5.4% from $41.89 billion a year earlier, while the adjusted earnings before interest and taxes, EBIT, declined 16.9% from the third quarter of 2022 to $3.56 billion. Another thing to always remember when you're talking about companies, when everyone, well, the unions like to move the goalposts a lot during negotiations, and mainly the outlets that you watch when they're talking about the UAW strike, a lot of them are saying, oh yeah, they make all these billions in profit and revenue. It's like, well, there's a big difference between those two, as well as they still have to pay taxes, as well as that long-term debt that they are increasing every single year. Now, it looks like in terms of the EVs, Jacob said that said that GM is pulling a near-term targets for its EV vehicles amid the slower than expected demand. The automaker had previously set goals to sell 400,000 EVs in North America from 2022 through 2024 and produce 100,000 EVs in North America during the second half of this year. Now, CFO, again, Jacobson said that GM will retain its targets to achieve low-digit profit margins on EVs. What? GM said that GM will remain its target of achieving low-digit profit margins. Well, I mean, if you're a shareholder, wouldn't you want large profits? I mean, I know with EVs, it's not ideal for GM right now, because again, cost of production over time, they'll be more profitable like Tesla in theory. Now, they also say that North America and production for the capacity of 1 million vehicles by 2025. He continued to say, quote, we're really focusing on making sure that we're driving toward demand targets, quote unquote. Yes, the demand of the government, not the demand of the consumers, the people who actually buy the products. We're seeing this, not just GM, but a lot of consumer spending is shifting and people are decreasing the amount of EVs they're buying. So the rate of adoption is starting to decrease, is what I'm trying to say in that regard. Truth be told, if I were in charge of Cadillac, I would have a hybrid approach, pun moderately intended, where sure, you could have one or two EVs because there are some people who are dedicated to Cadillac and they like luxury and they might want a disposable EV vehicle. Again, they're disposable for now, technology might change tomorrow. However, GM is great at making the V8, as well as a stick shift, with unfortunately they've acquiesced in most of the productions. Rest in peace, the Camaro, as well as the Corvette, which is now automatic only and now an EV. But Cadillac did make the great CTSV. I hope they keep making that. But again, Mary Barr also said by 2030, all GM is going to be, or rather all Cadillac is going to be EV, GM full fleet EV by 2035. That's what the CEO Mary Barr is continuing to say. Now, GM last week also said they were going to delay the production of their EV trucks at second half in Michigan plant by the end of the year, presumably to the, until late 2025. The delay is expected to save GM about $1.5 in capital next year. Because again, when you're starting a new product, especially with EVs, you're bleeding money for quite some time. Ford is learning this the hard way as there must, I almost, again, I can't, I almost can't say it without a visceral disgusting taste in my mouth. The Mustang Emac, which is again, nothing like the Mustang you and I like with the 
stick shift, you know, three pedals and a V8, but that vehicle is losing the money hand over fist, but they are still profitable overall Ford because of their internal combustion engine, the real Mustang, as well as the iconic F-150, F-250, 350, 455, 58, 50, 950, whatever 50 you choose from, they're trucks with the ice engine. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with GM in terms of, they are saying the, eh, I mean, their revenue's going up, but it'll be interesting to see. Let me know what you think of the outlook when it comes to GM. In terms of their Q4 numbers, I can't help but think, again, we have a lot of uncertainty in the market. A lot of people I know, well, anecdotally speaking, they're decreasing their new product purchases, whether it be laptops to shoot tumblers and cars and vehicles. It'll be interesting to see. Let me know if you think GM's gonna have a good Q4 or if it's gonna be kind of a little bit of a disappointment. It'll be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting business news, GM says the Chevy Bolt will live, and even though they previously planned to kill the product by December 2023. Now, in terms of product marketing, I would give them an A+, partially because it's kind of funny and ironic. Well, no, it's actually on point. The Chevy Bolt burst into flames because of two recalls. One was much more catastrophic, in which I believe it was a couple years ago, it was so bad. When I was going to IT events, they had placards or little signs on the parking lots that said, we will not allow you to park these vehicles here. Because again, they can burst into flames. And recently they had an issue where the charging cord could shock you, albeit not in terms of impressing you, in terms of being a great product, it would physically shock you. So they had a couple of issues with the Bolt. However, the volume of the Chevy Bolts is becoming more and more impressive before GM, where previously, I think it does, it's a good point in the market where not everyone has enough money to buy a Tesla and I suppose there, there's still some brand recognition in terms of there's some people who still really like Chevrolet. Although it's kind of funny, people think it's a pretty proud American company. They are, but it's founded by a French race car driver. When Billy Durant, the founder of General Motors, he got kicked out of GM after they went bankrupt. He actually teamed up with Louis Chevrolet to build that company up. They bought the company back. I was gonna say, I'm great for trivia night if you enjoy ADHD comments or statistics. However, if you think that's a little much, just let me know in the comments if you want to say topping standpoint. So feedback is always as usual, appreciate it. Now, going back to the GM Chevy Volt. Now, Mary Barr, the CEO said that the revised Volt will get the LFP batteries, which is a Tesla style charging port with the new motors and new software. So it makes sense because Tesla's killing it, as the youth might say, in terms of the adoption rate of the Tesla plugs. Every, it's like a domino effect. Again, the stuttering. Subscribe, it might fix it. Maybe, perhaps, but Every company is pretty much acquiescing to Tesla. Another brilliant thing Elon had was building out the EV fleet in terms of the actual charging stations and that plug. Chrysler, GM, and I believe, well, Chrysler, I say Stellantis, a couple of other companies tried to compete with their own technology for the chargers, but again, it was a little bit of too little too late, so to say. Now, it looks like Mary Barrow said that GM had originally planned to launch a series of newly designed EVs in entry-level vehicle segments at a total cost of $5 billion. But given the popularity of the current Bolt, 2023 is already the model's last year ever for sales. It made sense to revamp the existing car instead. Which, it does make sense. This is another article from CNBC. And while I would never actually purchase a Bolt personally, partially because I want my vehicle to last a long time, for an internal combustion engine, as well as having three pedals, also known as manual transmission, also known as the only fun way to drive. It is exhilarating. I highly recommend it to everyone. Buy one while you still can. Now, it does make sense. They're going to save a lot of money in terms of, there's going to be a lot of carryover parts 
and it was also known as shared parts, so they don't have to remanufacture, re-engineer every single component of the vehicle. And again, for better or worse, they do have a brand for the Bolt. I mean, a lot of people might know it pejoratively or hilariously for bursting the flames, but they presumably do have some happy customers on there. Now they continue to say that, quote, by leveraging the best attributes of today's Bolt, as well as Ultium, our latest software, and NAX, we will deliver an even better charging and driving experience and ownership experience with a vehicle that we know customers love, unquote. This is from Mary Barra, again, the CEO of General Motors. She also continued to say, quote, in the process, we are saving billions in capital and engineering expense, delivering a significantly cost-improved battery pack while, per while using purchased LFP cells, unquote. I'm looking to see if they have any production. They do. Okay, so the Chevy Bolt debuted in 2016 at 579 units. Then it went up, exploded, pun moderately intended because they only burst into flames. Now, the sales figures exploded to 26,297 units in 2017, went back down in 2018 to 18,000 units, 2019 was 16,000 units, rounding. 2020 was 20,000 units, 2021 was 24,000 units, 2022 was 38,000 units. In 2023, as of fiscal Q3, they're at 49,000 units. So yeah, I was gonna say, usually I am a lot more skeptical of GM in terms of their leadership or whether they're more accurately their business decisions. But this one actually seems like a slam dunk as well, as long as they don't have to pay two option settlements for the, you know, the, the flames and bursting and all that kind of stuff. So that's pretty impressive, US sales by volume. And again, not everyone could afford a Tesla. I'm kind of curious, how much is a Chevy Bolt if you were to actually buy one? Now that I, eh, not that I would, but let's see. Chevy Bolt price. What do they start at? Because it's not going to be, it should be half the price of a Tesla. It's also a smaller vehicle. So what does it say? Build and buy. Estimated range, 259 miles. They claim it's America's most affordable EV. Well, that's what the website says. They don't lie there. <laughs> that's a joke because, yeah, they, yeah, I don't know how much I believe that figure. I'd have to dive in. Let's see. Build and buy. Just tell me the actual price. Come on, GM. Load that page. Net savings after offers. Ah, it looks like it's sub 30 grand. All right. I was going to say, that is why it's exploding. That's a very aggressive price point. Now, granted, that's MSRP. I have no idea how much the dealers are marking this up, but that's pretty impressive. So it looks like they're, let's see, moving things around in the plant. And Mary Barra said that we're going to market at least two years faster and our units will cost, cost will be substantially lower, unquote. So this could be an interesting development. Again, I'm not financial, I don't give financial advice. I'm not saying you should buy GM stock, heaven forbid. But it'll be interesting to see if they could flood the market with the cheapest EV. That'd be an interesting business proposal for them. Because so right now Tesla's got, you know, they're the luxury market. Mercedes is catching up like a little, little bit in terms of luxury EVs. But actually, EVs might be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Time shall tell. Other interesting business news, you have Mercedes-Benz stock drops about 6% and the CFO blames the EV pricing. Now, this is as many companies are selling EVs for far less than internal combustion engine vehicles, in spite of having a higher production cost. And in terms of their five-day outlook for their stock, the U.S. stock for Mercedes went from $66 per share to $60 per share. Now, Frankfurt listed shares were down 6.7% as of 
10.25 a.m. Eastern Time last week, putting the stock on course for the worst day since May 4th. This is according to LSEG data. Now, the company said that they faced a, quote, subdued market environment marked by intense price competition, unquote, especially in the EV segment. Now, Mercedes-Benz is targeting 50% production be hybrid and EV sales by 2025 and says it will solely launch EV-only models from there on. The company, even after this bad fiscal results, said that they're still committed to that, which I... That is astonishing. It'll be interesting to see. I don't know how much of a market share there is for from Mercedes to... Yeah, maybe. Now, they also say that Mercedes shares of all EV vehicles increased from 6% to 11% in the first nine months of the year. So, yeah, that's a... Again, that's 9% market share. That's their personal percentages. Now, that'll be interesting. I know one or two people who have bought Mercedes hybrids throughout the years, but... In terms of EVs, that'll be a new interesting concept. They had their concept revealed a couple weeks at an auto show, and it looked pretty impressive from an architectural design perspective. But I mean, Mercedes, I think they already shot themselves in the foot with the inline four engine for an AMG. Which again, they're supposed to be the top tier, handcrafted, German assembled, and now it's a an hybrid and a inline four engine. which. Again, there's nothing wrong with an inline four engine. I love my little Honda Civic SI with the stick shift. It's great. But in terms of managing expectations, my the Honda Civic has had that for years, decades, actually. Mercedes, when you think of German luxury, they've had hand-built V8s for even longer than I can imagine. And paying a premium for an inline four when you expect a luxury sedan, that's lethargic or apathetic or disappointing to say the least. I can't help but wonder... What's the adoption rate of their hybrids going to be and their EVs when a lot of people know Mercedes for their performance? You got the Mercedes GT, you have the G, I think it's pejoratively, or as the youth might call it, the G Wagon, which people prefer to have that with the V8, of course. So it'll be interesting to see what the adoption rate is and how much they can realistically grow in that new category. Right now, the main EV luxury brand is Tesla. Then you could argue by number of units sold, it would be Lucid which Lucid is still losing money for now, but they have the backing of Saudi Arabia. That's their biggest investor. So they can burn as much money as possible. I don't think they're going to go out of business because they have such a vast amount of backing. So it'll be interesting to see. Let me know in the comments. Would you ever buy an EV Mercedes? I mean, they're already known for making very reliable vehicles in general. Ha, <laughs> that's a joke because nowadays, not so much. You know, in the 70s, yes, bulletproof. Nowadays, they're known for, you know, I would say performance, luxury, and high maintenance cost. But let me know, it'll be fascinating to hear what you have to say. Now going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have UFC boycott begins thanks to the Bud Light partnership and the Twitter ratios are entertaining to say the least. Now this is coming as the UFC, which many know is a very masculine, badass sport as youth might call it, where you use, it's also you know as MMA or mixed martial arts, you just do darn near whatever you want to subdue the other player. And I would say their main core demographic for years were heterosexual men. I think that's a pretty good presumption. More often than not, I would guess they're more often than not conservative. There's not a lot of people who believe in everyone should get a trophy going to watch the UFC matches. And Dana White, historically, great from a business perspective, I have great admiration for him. He built the company from damn near nothing. When he bought it, the only thing they basically had was intellectual property of the name. Everything else had been sold off like a Frankenstein, just chopped off throughout the years. 
and he built it into an iconic global brand, and they recently merged with WWE to form TKO Holdings, which, again, I was fascinated here. They merged with basically WWE, which some people might pejoratively just call it Jersey Shore or drama for men. I don't know. It's A lot of people know it's scripted. Where the UFC is brutal in terms of you go in, the be- may the best man win the fight. Or woman, because they do have the women's division as well. Now, this is, in terms of the ratio and the huge backlash we're starting to see, this is thanks to the New York Post, where they have a picture of Dana White, and then, they, of course, they have the picture of the UFC octagon with the Bud Light logo in the middle. And the new icon of Bud Light, or the face of Bud Light, whether they like it or not, is Dylan Mulvaney, who is the controversial figure, which they hired the trans activist, which subsequently, it only cost him to lose about... Oh yeah, a mere $400 million in sales fiscal Q2 alone, with every week after that being about 26% to 27% decrease in sales by volume and 30% by sales in terms of dollar figures. For the first time in 20 years, they lost the number one beer in America by sales. It's now Modelo. That's how bad Bud Light missed the market in terms of knowing their customer and trying to go after a new customer base and subsequently falling flat on their face. Or perhaps a more painful metaphor would be drinking a Bud Light. Now. Dana White is known for being not controversial, known for being, I would say more often than not, more right side if you had to choose a political side of the aisle. And Trump would actually go to the UFC events and the whole crowd would be in an uproar applauding him, not, actually not angry. There's a lot of roars when Trump goes in the room. In this case, they're positive. Now, going on this, we saw it's got 123,000 views in one day on the New York Post. And they say, quote, UFC faced boycott calls after announcing tie-up with Bud Light reportedly worth $100 million. Now, I was going to say, the title is, you know, get ratioed, you know, boycott. So you probably know the comments are not happy to say the least. But let's dive in. Let's see what the top ones are. Some by the name of Moral Authority Complex saying, quote, read the room, unquote, getting 35 likes. Let's see here. A lot of memes of Alyssa Heyerschild, who's the self-proclaimed, very proud first woman in Anheuser-Busch InBev Marketing VP executive position. She's the one who may contribute or she's the one who said the brand is too fratty. And then pictures of her drinking, I was going to say, um, muted if you have kids in the room. She was the one that was seen drinking beer from a prophylactic, also known as a condom, when she was in college. So she said the brand is too fratty. She wanted to put it in a different direction. And she was the brainchild who apparently set the whole course for how they destroyed the brand. Now... There's a lot of gifts of her. Someone by the name of Ted the Truth saying, quote, Dana White commenting on making Bud Light the official beer of the UFC. I, f- I feel we are very aligned when it comes to our core values, unquote. Slap in the face to UFC fans. What's next, transgender fighters, unquote. He got 83 likes for that particular comment. Practical Kel. This person says, quote, Dana made an oops, unquote, getting 26 likes. Sniffy Peebin saying, quote, we are not drinking it, we are not watching it, go with, go broke, get 12 likes. Let's see here. This is very interesting. Looks like a lot of comments are getting deleted. Someone else said, silly, I'm not, or this is Ermaris. Silly, I'm not drinking, but I'm not going to boycott the OC for taking 100 million. I'm just not going to buy Bud Liking. Six likes. Let's see. 
a lot with the memes of how Bud Light marketing has been changing throughout the years. More, but I was gonna say in terms of trending, it was actually trending boycott UFC. And you're having more and more of these comments where you have more and more of the Dylan figure being pejoratively displayed. A lot of people are just saying simply, please go away, unquote, getting 235 likes. And I can't but think, it's the way, way Dana approached the whole thing, saying your morals are the same or you share a lot of the values. Again, I don't think anyone believes Anheuser Bush and Bev has any values anymore. They've lost authenticity, which as a brand is damn near impossible to gain back. Especially when they don't admit any mistake or fall. Or, I mean, they're just ignoring the elephant in the room or the Dylan in the room and trying to just throw money at the problem. Which, again, that might, how much of the market share might that win you back? 1%? At most? I can't help but think that's not going to be the business model or actually going to be the way in which they can actually gain any customers back. And all these comments, everything that mentions Bud Light or anything that mentions UFC, more and more of the comments are just all against it. A lot of people are saying how Modelo is a true fighting brand in that one. And that's the one actually Bud Light is displacing as a main title sponsor, the main sponsor where they have the biggest logos, they're paying the most amount of money. Let's see here. And I mean, there was some history. I mean, Bud Light was one of the first companies to risk it in terms of investing in the UFC by being one of the first sponsors. So they have their history, but I don't know, the whole way Dana Light is framing it just is terrible. He should have been, I think, more honest or for, he should have just said, hey, this is the largest sponsorship we've ever had. This is going to allow us to pay our fighters more. This is going to help allow us to stabilize this new venture that we formed, combining with the WWE. But to say that you have the same morals and values. And he, Dana White is also saying, oh yeah, I mean, you know, this company also buys, you know, millions of dollars of wheat and, you know, beer materials from farmers. Well, that's also any beer company or any business, any large business will fit that criteria of buying lots of material. I mean, and then he also said something like, oh yeah, they employ a lot of veterans. That's great, but again, a lot of companies do. I think, I, I can't help, let me know the comments. Who do you think looks worse in this instance? Dana White or Bud Light? I mean, everyone already knew Bud Light. Bud Light seems to be like a virus. It, anything it touches, it seems to drag their brand down with them. I can't think of a brand or a turnaround plan for Bud Light as they continue to be the business blunder of the century. So let me know in the comments. It'll be fascinating to hear what you have to say. Other interesting cultural news, you have Coca-Cola drops support for BLM after BLM supports Hamas goes viral and they actually get roasted by Ted Cruz. Now, the first article is from the New York Post, and this is where they detail how Coca-Cola, which previously had been very supportive of the BLM organizational, both from a morale perspective and cultural perspective, with you know tweets and accolades verbally, as well as physically speaking by writing actual checks. Now, it looks like Coca-Cola, again, this is thanks to the New York Post, has quietly removed references to the financial support to Black Lives Matter from the official website, after the group expressed support for Hamas terrorists who attacked and killed at least 1,400 Israeli soldiers and civilians earlier this month. BLM's Chicago chapter sparked outrage with a now-deleted tweet on X, Twitter, 
showing a photo of a paraglider with the text saying, quote, I stand with Palestine. Now, that is where the paraglider went down and did some very morally, oh, well, I was going to say some of the most, the most morally depraved things you can do and attack innocents, and I won't get too graphic here, but needless to say, to support that is controversial to say the least. Some would argue if it's more mentally vacuous or morally vacuous, it's hard to say which one. Now, they also say that Hamas terrorists use paragliders to tour across Israeli border, and it was actually a music festival. Now, Ted Cruz specifically blasted Coca-Cola on his podcast earlier this week, which do you, I keep forgetting he has a podcast. Do you tune in to the Ted Cruz podcast? I haven't, but I've heard it's a thing. Now, let's see. Now, this is from Ted Cruz saying, noting that Coca-Cola's brand Sprite gave half a million dollars to the Black Lives Matter Global Network as part of its, quote, fight for racial justice. And Coca-Cola literally just took it down. So I'm going to Ted Cruz's post actually on the Twitter, or X. Now, in terms of the quote, and it literally is just they deleted the extra text. So this is the original text unedited on the Coca-Cola's website. They say, quote, In summer 2020, Sprite launched Give Back program to support the black community in the fight for racial injustice and the COVID-19 pandemic. The brand also donated five hundred thousand dollars to black lives matter global network to support the group's vote voting education efforts and their february 2021 black future month program to empower the next generation of black youths the new website after the covid 19 pandemic chopped it off so the the whole donation thing is just literally erased i can't help but think how reminiscent life is of 1984 which is supposed to be in a dystopian novel talking about how the future, how bad it could be. Unfortunately, it's, I was going to say, it is dystopian, but it's become a reality in more ways than not. Again, I don't recommend making that a drinking game because, again, I reference that book way too much, just unfortunately because of modern society has degraded and fallen down so much to represent the book. Now, in terms of Ted Cruz's tweet, he said, quote, caught red-handed, Coca-Cola deletes his support for BLM, one screenshot is of Coca-Cola's website before BLM supported Hamas parachuting into a concert to kill Israeli civilians. The other is from this morning. Editing your website is not enough. Americans demand an apology. And he was quite prolific. He said demand in all caps. So, you know, serious. Now, this got a little bit over half a million views on the Twitter, or X, and 9,700 likes. Now, in terms of the feedback, usually... Ted Cruz is not loved so much on social media. He has many people who vote for him. But again, perhaps it's a demographics thing or the... There's also the disconnection. Not everything on social media correlates to actual voting, actual the real world. But interestingly enough, previously on social media, when I was looking at it, there was a lot of ratioing going on, so to say. Now, here, you have a lot of support for Ted Cruz and his statement. Somebody named a PA Marine saying, quote, well, they used the middle finger emoji. I don't know how to... I guess that's technically text. Millfinger emoji, Coke, drink water, unquote. Person got 57 likes. Somebody by the name of Jim Aaron saying, quote, now ask Lowe's about their support for BLM scammers, unquote. That quote from Jim Aaron got 185 likes. Sarah saying, quote, I can't believe any corporation supported this group. They convinced black people during the whole, during the worldwide lockdown to get into groups over a drug addict having an overdose 
to win an election, risking actual black lives, make it make sense. I now drink water and buy everything, it continues, used because I won't support ESG. Sarah got a total of 57 likes. Song by the name of Coca-Cola equals the demo. Oh, this is interesting. It's a vernacular or a, what is it? Literal pun? They changed the spelling of it. Of it. So, some by the name of Bingham Lowe saying Coca-Cola equals demo KKK rat party. And it's a little picture in which he has a semi-truck that says corporate America taking money into a building that says BLM. And that money being then rolled out of the building into another semi-truck that has the Democratic Party logo on it. That particular response got 147 likes. See here. Karen Abrams said, quote, I quit Coke since I'm white, unquote. She got 14 likes, which is, again, a reference to the training in which they had employees take a couple years back, where they basically said it was Robin D'Angelo, I believe, the trainer, who said it's, don't be, they literally said be less white to their employees, which sounds like a lawsuit in and of itself, but again, times have changed, and it's fascinating to see what things are not prosecuted anymore. Somebody name of Won't Dance for Soros saying, quote, Woke is awful and Coke is woke. A coat. Got 103 likes. Janet Beckham saying, quote, this will help me kick that Coke Zero habit, unquote. Got 50 likes. Some by name of Todd Holstey saying, quote, why is businesses political act? I, I almost wonder if they use improper grammar to make me slip up on purpose or appear to slip up. But nevertheless, I will read it exactly as he typed it. So again, Mr. Todd Hulse saying, quote, why is businesses political activist? Is it good for business? See Bud Light, unquote. Grammar aside, this person to get 17 likes. Jay Laz saying, quote, not very surprising from a company that tells people to be less white, unquote. Got 157 likes. As well, not an A-plus for marketing, but A-plus for profile pictures. Benjamin Franklin wearing the pixelated glasses. Pretty neat. Let's see here. Ah, you find some pejorative responses. So not everyone is in favor of Ted Cruz. Some by the name of Thomas saying, quote, do you ever, you know, dot, 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 work? You're on Twitter so much, quit whining about things and actually do something, unquote. Got 31 likes. Some by the name of Clint Turner saying, quote, well, I guess they joined my list with Bud Light and Target say no to the Coke, unquote. This person got... 63 likes. Someone has that interview parody or a little, not a comic strip, but it's a little picture in which you have someone saying something to recruiters and it looks like to be a Coca-Cola office and the person being interviewed says, hi, my name is Les White. And the person interviewing says, holy shit, you're hired. That got 116 likes. As well as a good grammar pun, the less is L-E-S, as in the person's name is less. Interesting pun. I appreciate puns. Let me see here. Somebody of tired of being politically correct said, unquote, they paid BLM for a reason. Did you know that Coca-Cola paid the NAACP millions of dollars for the NAACP to call parents who are concerned about their kids ingesting 100 times more sugar than they did 100 years ago racist and shut them all down on the debate on the matter, unquote. Got 53 likes. 
And that is a new story. I've not heard that, so I don't have to fact check it. I have no idea if it's actually accurate in this case. Somebody by the name of BLK Ferret said, quote, Bud Light Vibes got 50 likes from that. I'm trying to see if this. Uh, looks like, is there really only one person that's against Ted Cruz? This might be... I don't know if you could accurately... Uh, a lot of people saying they won't buy Coke anymore. More people comparing it to other companies who have had similar social media and cultural faux pas. And, or as the youth might... Or as I was going to say the youth. The tenured might say egg on face. I... I really... No. Is there really only one person against... I think there really is only one person against Ted Cruz. Now, I don't know how it would work in terms of if you were to print a GIF, because some of these are GIFs, but I would not be surprised if Ted Cruz were to print this, frame it, and put it up in his office as, like, the best tweet he's ever had in terms of the ratio of people who support him versus are against him. Perhaps let me know, should we do, like, a... Yeah, that'd be an interesting one. But, yeah, it looks like, does this change your perception of Coca-Cola? They've already had some cultural faux pas, and they've had some politically divisive things they've done in the past. Does this just solidify your opinion of them, or will this inspire you to take action and purchase less of their high fructose corn syrup in a can? It'd be interesting to see, but would love to hear what you have to say. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have Vivek on government employee stock trading and no lobbying going viral. Now, this is thanks to the Twitter, or as five people call it, the X, which... Again, I I really don't know anyone who actually does that, do you? Like, of all the people you know, how many people actually say Twitter's X? But nevertheless, he recently did an interview with Russell Brand, and if you have suggestions for picture-in-picture production software, I would greatly appreciate it because I'm looking for a new solution. I tried one or two, but I keep having issues with the darn camera, even if I update the drivers. Currently using the Razer Hiken 4K USB camera. So if you have suggestions, we'd greatly appreciate it in the comments. Now... The text he has before the little speech or little video from Vivek is, quote, the fact that this is controversial in D.C. proves why you need to do it, unquote. And in terms of my critique of Vivek, a very unusual thing. It's a, a sad day in fashion, I, I must say. He is not wearing a suit. And as you always know, men should always suit up. Even if you just need one or two suits, you always look more impressive and more professional in a suit, as a wise man would say. That's a joke, because the wise man is me. Though, it doesn't take away from the fact. Now, I'll go ahead and play this. And again, if you have suggestions for picture-in-picture production software, we'd greatly appreciate your feedback. I think that this isn't that complicated, right? So, I don't think members of Congress or regulators or people who work in the federal bureaucracy should be able to trade, personally, individual stocks. It should be all left to a blind trust. They shouldn't know what they own or what they're trading at a given time. It can come out with retrospect later. That's the way that this should be done. It's not complicated. Now, I say this as somebody who began my career in the investment world. I'm going to just state something obvious. These congressmen and these bureaucrats, they would be better off financially if they weren't trading their own stocks unless 
it was based on corrupt intentions, in which case they're going to do better. That's the only way these people, these clowns, are going to do better than professional investors in a competitive market. These are mostly clowns that would ordinarily, if they're behaving honestly, they would do better to leave their money invested in a blind trust by somebody who's not picking individual stocks or picking individual stocks without their knowledge. That would be the financially sensible decision unless they were actually doing it and using their special access to information to be able to enrich themselves, which is exactly what's happening. So I put an end to that. No lobbying in the government for 10 years, at least, if you've been part of that government. If you have been part of a bureaucracy or a regulator that has regulated an industry, you should not be able to serve on boards in that industry for at least 10, fine, let's at least make it five years after leaving office. I think it's pathetic that you have a former head of the FDA immediately going and plopping on the board of Pfizer. You see the same thing with the defense industrial complex. You have a person like Nikki Haley made special favors for Boeing in South Carolina, while she was the governor of South Carolina, after her time in government, she's now sitting, she brought to this race, sitting on the board of Boeing, in her particular case, for another company, collecting stock options while she is literally running for president. As far as I know, that's unprecedented in US history, yet here we are. These are basic rules of the road that should not be controversial, and these aren't Republican ideas or Democrat ideas. On the super PACs, Democrats used to rail against them. Now, they look the other way when they're the beneficiaries of the same thing, same game that the Republicans are playing. My view is pretty simple. If you're going to spend money on a campaign as an entity, or if you're going to run ads for a specific candidate, which is what a campaign does, then you're just bound by the same rules that the campaigns are, $3,300 maximum. Now in the US, I'm a free speech absolutist. I believe in free expression to the fullest. But free expression means there's already rules that for certain other entities, other than super PACs, there are limitations to say you can't give to a candidate, but you can advocate for whatever cause you want. And you could put as much money into an entity that advocates for a specific cause, a policy, or a cultural vision. There should be no restrictions on that. But if you're advocating for a candidate, and now the super PACs are literally running. I mean, if you take a guy like Ron DeSantis, his entire campaign is literally being run down to operations to people who are knocking on doors or handing out leaflets or putting stuff in mail or advertising on television. It's being run by the super PAC. So if that's the case, that's corruption because obviously, and this is not disputed, these people show up at events hosted by the super PACs to raise the money. That's just running the campaign, that's corruption. The whole point of the $3,300 maximum in donating to a primary of a presidential election is to prevent a corrupting influence. I would reinstitute that. So those are what I would call my anti-corruption measures. I've laid them out. I'm absolutely committed to them. And the irony is that the ideas that should be least controversial amongst Republicans and Democrats are the ones that are most controversial for a guy like me running within the primary, but I'm not gonna stop until we're done. Stay free, see you fun. So that's a little highlight from the recent interview he had with Russell Brand. And interestingly enough, I don't think you'll be too surprised in the comments in terms of being supportive. Now that got about well under about 130,000 views in a day, got 1,600 likes. And diving into the comic section, one of the first ones by the name of immutabletypes.com, which gets an A plus for marketing, their profile pictures of a typewriter, which is one of the most secure ways to communicate. Can't hack, remember, you can't hack a typewriter. And I still like the I like the one I use personally. Now. Immutable Type says, quote, I would love to see lobbying halted, unquote. Got four likes. A lot of people saying, yes, we definitely need it. Someone by the name of Thunder saying the entire t stock market is corrupt. Do a poll and see what followers think, unquote. Getting two likes. 
A lot of people saying this is huge. Huh? Somebody named Zest Patrol. This person is against, and he says, more of a dictatorship plan, unquote, getting one like. Let's see here. A lot of people agreeing with him. Now, how realistic it is, is it to, you know, have this actually happen? I'm a little skeptical to say the least, but I mean, very similar to the reason why, even though I think, you know, term lists would be a good idea, you're, the people who are in charge of limiting their own power have the power. So how real, do you think they'll ever actually see term limits in Congress in our lifetimes? Like, will, D, will D.C. ever self-vote themselves out of a job? Which, again, a lot of people on left and right are saying, at least end users or, you know, folks not in politics, they're saying, yeah, we, we agree with that. We don't think everyone, we don't think Sean should be able to be in politics for 50 years. And... But again, those very people are the ones who are going to vote on that topic. Unfortunately, a lot of people aren't really active in politics. They're not tracking down to see, well, I gave this person my vote. How did this person actually vote on all the things I want them to vote for? Or do they just pretend to say one thing and then vote a different way? So when it comes to politicians, always keep them accountable. Keep track of how they're voting. Make sure they're actually voting the way you want them to if you were the one who actually elected them or helped to get them elected. Now, there are a couple of people pejoratively saying to Vivek that he's recycling an old talking point from Trump. And let's see here. Somebody named Genghis recognized the social faux pas, and he says, quote, Vivek has a Resident Evil 4 sweater, unquote. And he did get one like. Somebody named Jerry Walkowski saying, quote, great idea, Congress won't approve, unquote, getting one like. A lot of people saying, stop all lobbying. So, pretty much, eh, so even though a couple are against him, it seems like overall a lot of people are agreeing with him. It'll be interesting to see you know, how many of those people continue to support him with the Republican primary and how much he can maybe inch ahead in the polls. It'll be interesting to see, but time shall tell. Other interesting political news, you have the UAW reaches a tentative strike with Ford Motor Company. Now, it looks like this is thanks to a LinkedIn article. It says the United Auto Workers Union has announced a tentative contract agreement with Ford. And this is in the sixth week of the historic strike against the Detroit Big Three. The Big Three being Ford, General Motors, and Chrysler. Though Chrysler went so bankrupt so bad in 2009, thanks in part to the unions, that they're bought out by European-owned company Fiat, which then later rebranded into a new holding company by the name of Stellantis. Or Stellantis, if you feel so inclined to have a little bit of a fun accent in there. So the big three, which used to dominate the global automotive community, they're still a big three, but I'd say they're not as big. Now, it is historical. It's the first time, I believe, in 80 years where there are three strikes at once. So every single one of the UAW big three were on strike simultaneously. Now, according to a post on LinkedIn, the UAW deals include, but not limited to, a 25% general wage increase over the course of the contract agreement and a 68% bump in starting wages. Of course, UAW president who makes $350,000 per year, Sean Fain, and wears, ironically, a t-shirt that says, Eat the Rich. This person said he called it a major victory. Now, to be clear, again, this might be, fan when this is, I finish editing, this might already be solidified, but with the data we currently have now, and against the fluid situation, they note that the agreement must be ratified by a majority of the members in order employed by Ford, Meanwhile, the union is still negotiating with General Motors and Stellantis, where 5,000 and 7,000 workers, respectively, expanded the strikes just last week. Now, 
The UAW also said they were working on closing a deal with General Motors. So it looks like they're getting darn near close, and they have to, of course, officially ratify it. But I can't imagine, in terms of being globally competitive, that is... I would, I would love to know the additional details of the contract. Well, of course, once it's finalized, we'll know the additional benefits. But just just alone, a 68% increase in starting wages? When, again, the labor costs for the big three are already the greatest in the automotive community. Tesla, which makes, I'd say, a short-term more reliable product, and in terms of the global or the, you know, people, some people buying EVs, they're dominating the EV market. That's a pretty uncontroversial statement. But their labor cost is much less, partially because they don't have the union and because they incentivize their employees with stock options. Which, again, I think if the union, I think that'd be a great middle ground to meet in terms of something people would value. But that also mean you have to work hard and or harder and you have to be really dedicated to having the company be more successful. Whereas some people just want to get paid more based on tenure. Kind of different mindset, which I'd also argue, I think the Tesla mindset is much more aggressive in terms of, as cliche as it sounds, making a debt in the universe and really hustling, as the youth might say. But I'm actually pretty surprised. I, Given how long the strike has been going with Ford, I thought they I I was debating how many more plants UAW would kneecap by doing partial strikes. Or instead of shutting down the whole plant, they just pay a couple of union members to leave. And again, a big blind spot in terms of tactics by the UAWs, by the big three rather, is apparently not cross-training employees so that if they have a strike where, let's say in Ford, particular use case, the Bronco plant, they had the UAW members walk off, I believe the final assembly and the paint departments of that particular plant. Well, without those departments or those parts of the factory working, well, you can't finish the vehicle. So they basically had to shut down the whole plant because of that. And in terms of political moves on chessboard, it's a brilliant move by the UAW because every time the, the union members are not working and they're paying them to strike, that's costing the UAW $500 per week which adds up in the aggregate, but instead of having to pay everyone for striking, well, just a couple of people pull them off the assembly line and basically kneecaps the whole plant. So it was a good political move by Sean Fain, the UAW president. But it'll be interesting to see, again, 68% bump in starting wages and 25% general wage increase over the course of the agreement. Again, it's a four-year contract. When was the last time in your career you've ever had a 25% increase over four years? Again, this is a very competitive industry and it's a pivotal moment where these companies are going to EVs. Partially and ironically because the government is pushing and forcing them to. And I say it's ironic because the UAW gets these politicians elected. The politicians want the companies to make a less profitable, short-term, less profitable product and a product that will need less labor from the UAW as these companies will transition to basically being tech companies, which again is a huge new challenge. The big three, you know, Ford, GM, Chrysler, they built their brand on making bulletproof, or well, I was gonna say reputation of reliability is not as good as it used to be, but they make great internal combustion engines, especially the V8. I mean, that's what built Detroit, as well as having stick shifts mounted to every one of them. I think that should, I'm not saying it should be a law, press an executive order for every vehicle to have that mandated. It should be in a stick shift because then the driver gets the real experience of the vehicle. They're forced to pay attention. You can't have your 72 ounce big gulp corn syrup drink from the local convenience store and a donut and, you know, texting at the same time. You have to be a part of the experience. But I partially digress. Let me know in the comments. With this current most likely contract, will this make Ford so uncompetitive and you have to increase the prices of their already expensive vehicles so much so they're starting to decrease their market share even more? 
and will it kneecap them to the point where they just miss out on the EV transition completely? They can't make the transition because they don't have the resources to actually reinvest in the company. It'll be interesting to see. Perhaps they're in the background. Ford Corporate is going to ramp up their robot production. And it's another competitive value that Tesla is going to kill it, as the youth might say. Well, they're actually working on making autonomous robots or robots that look very similar to people, humanoid robots, whatever term you like, to increase the efficiencies of the plants they're brushing as well. So it'll be interesting to see. But again, it's a very, very um, friction relationship between labor, or rather the union, and the big three. And again, in terms of a long-term successful business, that's why I personally think the best model is usually between just having a relationship where you don't have a union, where you can just negotiate with the person because kind of like a divorce attorney, that third person has a huge incentive to cause conflict. And just ask anyone who's gone through a divorce. So it'll be interesting to see, again, as the American manufacturing is struggling, you have the big three, which used to dominate the auto industry, becoming more and more struggling with the global competition, as well as Tesla. So it'll be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Now going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Peacock Streaming posts a loss of about $566 million. However, they did hit the 28 million subscriber mark. Now this is thanks to the Hollywood Reporter and they note that, and again, Peacock is NBC's streaming platform, which again is one, another difficult thing in terms of market share and market saturation. Every single channel, every single media company has launched a streaming platform. So again, if you want to watch all the shows you used to back in the day, now you have to download, you know, what, 10, 15 of those apps and pay a monthly subscription to each and every one. It's very reminiscent of the automotive community back in the 1900s. Back in the day, there used to be hundreds of automotive manufacturers. Now, realistically, you have maybe eight holding companies who control dozens of brands, but the market consolidated dramatically. Now, Peacock being NBC's Universal being their flagship streaming platform, Realistically, they're really known for The Office. I mean, let me know in the comments if you think differently, but that's their crown jewel. That's the most valuable intellectual property they have that could realistically compel people to pay for their exclusive streaming platform. I can't think of any other hits that have been on NBC in the past couple of decades, but I think that's the main reason why anyone would actually pay for that platform. It was a huge cultural hit. I mean, people love The Office. And reportedly, they're going to revamp it because, again, Hollywood is out of ideas, just copy-paste. Yet another reason where AI, or another use case, rather, where AI would be a perfect solution. AI, you know, artificial intelligence, where they could just do that and just write the scripts. But nevertheless, now, they noted that they reached 28 million subscribers after adding 4 million subscribers during the last fiscal quarter, and their loss was $565 million last fiscal quarter. Now, they claim that the streaming service had lost... $614 million during the same fiscal period a year ago. And the entertainment company is looking at peak losses of around $3 billion this year. Dear God, that is an astronomical amount of money, except you know when we're funding other countries and giving them aid, that's just a drop in the bucket. But to you and me, in the real world, that is a tremendous amount of capital. Shoot, I actually, I was gonna say, I can actually buy a house with that much. That's a joke because prices of houses are getting very expensive and I'm still renting. So, real estate joke, or attempted at one, nevertheless. Now, they also continue to say that they think their peak loss is going to be around $3 billion, which on Thursday, or last week, they reduced to a $2.8 billion loss outlook. So, 
Losses are getting smaller. Again, pretty much they're not unique in this struggle. Even Disney, which again used to be a blue chip stock, I mean, re reliable company I built over time. Talk about business blunders of the century. They perhaps would be sponsored by Bud Light. But with Disney, they're also still not breaking gaming. They're still losing money on Disney Plus, which is so it's how pathetic they've become in terms of the intellectual property. They had all the best ingredients to be a successful streaming company, in my opinion, with so much intellectual property that they used to have and so much, there's so much potential. And they decided to become controversial and political and shoot themselves in the foot with a 50 cal, relatively speaking. Now, they noted that the last Peacock earning reports published as Q3 results from NBCU parent company Comcast also showed that the streaming services revenue came in at 840 million, which is 60, up 64% from a year earlier. So again, revenue is key. Obviously you need to get that revenue up as possible and eventually hit those profit margins. But again, to still be losing so much money, I just can't help but think that's gotta be the business blunder of the day. Thank you again for taking the time to tune in. I know we're trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October, so you click that button, I greatly appreciate it. I know it's a tall order with so much little time left, but a wise pilot once told me, never tell me the odds. Also, t please take the time to comment as a video. It'll help it get shared more with the YouTube algorithm, how it magically works sometimes. And the feedback is greatly appreciated, even if it's critical, because I want to make the show better and better. Also, don't forget to take the time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.